0: Margaret Cho is an award-winning comedian with 12 comedy specials under her belt, known for her edgy comedy. In her latest tour, she addresses the American political landscape, the hashtag MeToo movement, and Asian Americans in Hollywood. Remember her sitcom, All American Girl? In this interview, she shares why you should use your talent to improve the world, how to improve your creative process. and why it's okay to share your rage on social media. This is Chaotic Creative with Margaret Cho. The couple of things that we want to talk about is um, the LGBT community. I was watching some clips and they get such a reaction, a visceral reaction. Hearing it, what is it like for you when you're doing an, uh, uh, doing a show for an audience that kind of like lifts your performance to the next level when they react the way they do?
1: It's really exciting. I mean, I think it's... Um something like um, just tapping into something very electric. Um, It's something that I've really learned over the years and certainly um, performing uh, for an LGBT crowd, like a very um, good part of my career is built on that, whether it's touring with the True Colors show with Cyndi Lauper and like doing all these sort of big rock and roll events that are just very, very gay, like the, the, or the the sort of experience of going to Pride celebrations all over the world and getting really tapped into it. And I think it's, you know, it comes out of, like I started doing comedy in um, the 80s and 90s doing a lot of AIDS fundraising. And through it, you know, the, the community was going through such a difficult time and we needed this incredible release in. Our entertainment you know like our art became very very um, kind of extreme and exciting and so that's the sort of place where I learned and um, so every time I come back to a pride celebration it's it's always amazing
0: what does it mean to see? our representation on screens. And I like. I think there's a bigger question there. Like when I was a kid, I never saw brown people on TV. And in Canada, we have a channel called Much Music, and there was a VJ named Monica Diol, and she did the news. And when I saw that, I was like, oh, brown people can be on TV? Yeah. Like, and now, like some of these people come to me, and they're like, oh, because of you, uh, now I can have a career like this. Mm-hmm. And I think in 94, when your show, All American Girl, came out, I was like, what? Yeah. That. But now, it's like, we see women, but I read an interview, you said, but we don't see enough queer people of color. Mm-hmm. Why do you think that's important to see? And how do you suppose that's gonna change the psyche of people in years from now, when they're like, I have been represented in mainstream culture?
1: Well, then you, um, you go into the uh, sort of the, the world feeling like you're visible, you know, when um, you're sort of not acknowledged by media or society at large you feel like really lost like where are we where are we represented and so i think it's very important that we're seeing more images of different kinds of people and and representation of queer identities racial identities all of the stuff is really part of that and so i think it's a really exciting time i think things are really really changing and shifting um and it's great to finally feel like, oh my god, we're actually here, we're all here and we're real. It's, it's a really great thing.
0: What do you think has happened that's become the catalyst to allow now to be the time for people to speak up? When we think about what's happening uh, with all of the movements right now, with uh, sexuality, sexual assault, racism, uh, I feel as a Canadian and looking outside, it's like the American political climate but why do you think it's now? This has been going on for years. What was the catalyst for people to step up and say something now and be
1: heard? I think it's just this time of really needing to be very vocal about politics and be very vocal about our opinions because we see when we become complacent, then somebody like Trump gets in office. I mean, there's a lot of other reasons why he's there, but. For a lot of for a lot of us, it's this kind of complacence that we fell into during the Obama administration. You know, we got really, really used to having a great president. And I think that you you know, maybe some of that could be like maybe that made us a little bit lazy about like what was gonna happen. We just assumed that everything would be great because You know, of course Hillary's going to be president. Of course we're going to have a female president because that would naturally follow a black president. But that sort of, I don't even understand myself. I'm still having a lot of issues about trying to get my head around it. But because Trump's in office, we have to make sure that we're really being heard and think that's responsible for Me Too movement, I think that's responsible for women, the women's marches, for sure. Um, It's a really great time to talk about women's rights, human rights, um, and it's, I've never seen such an exciting era in terms of just feminism. It's really, really, really great.
0: As an artist, how would you suggest someone can find their voice and then use their voice and their platform as a catalyst for change, as you do with comedy with music just even having conversations how can other people get involved and make a difference
1: I think you know it's just about becoming used to using your voice like making it very normal and and kind of not making it too special like it's sort of like we should be talking we should always be expressing ourselves um, talking about our experiences um, fighting for our rights uh, making sure that we're coming to like a, a place where we feel entitled to have an opinion and that's really great. And so finding yourself as an, as an artist is similar to finding yourself as a human being. You just keep on doing what you feel is right and it'll, it'll work itself out.
0: What do you think is the line when you're telling stories that you draw for your personal life You're like, okay, I'm not going to go there. And also, just in comedy, because I think now everyone just wants to be offended. They don't necessarily are offended. They're like, I just want to feel something, so I'm going to get angry because then I'm going to feel something. Is there a line I think of... Like, I feel when I hear stuff that you say, I don't get offended. I'm like, oh, that's a different point of view. But there's other people who just want to get up in arms or, like, vilify other people.
1: Yeah, and I think that is... About social media, people love to get outraged and kind of like speak in very, very kind of um, inflammatory ways, and um, that's just sort of a style. I think that um, this style of outrage—you you get a little bit of outrage, outrage fatigue, you know, because you can't really be outraged by everything. Right. Um, I just kind of go at it like it's all sort of trial and error. Like I, I don't really know exactly what's right or what's offensive or, you know, anything, I just kind of do what I think is going to make some sort of an impact and just keep doing it and, you know, just keep on going for it every day.
0: How does rage fuel art?
1: Well, rage is important because it kind of, uh, it cauterizes that suffering, you know, and, and makes it like very, you, you get very emboldened to kind of go forward and and make a statement and, and be outraged. and. I think that that's really special, and I think that's really fun. It, it can be really fun. So, um, I don't know. Outreach is is good and, and difficult, but I think it's an interesting time for that.
0: You're pretty open about the things that you've been going through. Uh, your touring show, Fresh Off the Bloat, talks about uh, what's happened in your personal life. Uh, how does chaos and crisis fuel comedy and then how does comedy uh, serve as a catalyst for change for yourself and then for your audience?
1: Well, I think um, chaos and anarchy is kind of great. Like, it's, it's really important to um, make art very electric. But at the same time, if it sort of feeds into your self-destruction, then it's not worthwhile. Um, I think, and, and whenever you're able to actually create like a good story about something, then it's actually valuable that you went through it. And so I like that I get to bring my own personal chaos into my work and, and make that um, something that is uh, like it's, it's beneficial for me, you know, just to do it. And then I know that beyond that, there's um, a, a benefit for people who also are kind of enduring the same thing and they're hearing about it through my comedy, I think then it's really healing.
0: Like a public therapy session? Yeah. What is your process for creating, uh, whether it's writing, comedy, music? Do you carve out time? Do you have a sacred way that you approach it? Or is it just like, it just kind of happens?
1: Well, I, I, the first thing I do every day is I, I do this sort of writing thing that Like kinda, morning pages? It's like morning pages, yeah. but it's also, it's actually more direct. Than the morning pages, because the morning pages are is um, kind of just to get that sort of the foam off the top of the whatever. Mm. But the the writing that I do is sort of I'm I'm actually working on one particular project right now. So every morning, right when I get up, before I'm even like awake, before I've had like coffee or anything, like I do that, and then I get to the business of waking up because part of that particular project has something in i don't know something in in common with my dream life and so waking up and figuring out what it is and so every project has a different way that you approach it this particular one has a lot to do with something that's about the unconscious so i go at it first while i'm still somewhat unconscious and then go back and edit later but so so every but everything has a different Sometimes, like, when you do, like, stand-up comedy, too, like, a lot of it's kind of coming to it every day as, like, well, what's the latest thing that's happening, you know? And so, so much of the stuff that was, you know, whether it's Harvey Weinstein on down, all of the different people, like, figuring out what am I saying about each different man that's been accused of this. And starting with, um, I had been doing this since John Gomeshi, so I have quite a (laughs) backlog. Yeah. So you gotta like try to figure out how do I address it differently every day. And and that's more of um about immediacy and kind of knowing what's happening and and knowing how you can share it with an audience.
0: It's interesting you bring up the Gian Gameshi thing. I saw like an interview that when it first happened, you were like, you want to talk about it, and then it made me think about it's like back then people weren't ready to hear it and it was like one thing on the other, one thing on the other, and then other people stepped up and what do you think is the power in finding community, uh, like-minded people in your tribe that gives a safe space for you to create, but then also to speak your truth?
1: Well, with that particular case, getting to become friends with uh, Lucy de and talking to her a lot about all that she went through, you know, and, and, and how she was viewed by Canada, how everything played out, and how difficult that was for her, and, and learning about that just as a friend and then trying to process it as, the, as this is the way that we used to deal with um, sexual misconduct and, and abuse. And now the, the shift, you know, what happened to her and what happened to all these other women during that particular case, so infuriated women all over the world that they were like, we're not going to let this happen again. Nothing like this is going to happen again. And so, in a way, what happened with that, with John, and all of the all of that, um, it really was a catalyst for change. Like, we realized that we can't be, um, not that they were complacent, but we can't uh, not be out. We have to be outraged. We have to make sure that the world knows about our outrage. And so I think that's. A great shift that things have really changed from then.
0: In the midst of the battle and the chaos and the in the in the the uprising, what are your suggestions for self-care? Because when we're out there and we're on the battle lines, be it through art, through uh, marches, activations, uh, how do you protect yourself?
1: I think you protect yourself just it's just sort of um, just sort of it's a, sort of a natural thing. Like I retreat a lot. Like I retreat and I don't uh, engage with social media all the time. Like I I kind of pulled back and then, you know, I, I just have my own kind of thing, like where I have my silence and my <laughs> my little art things that I do. So I do have like a sense of like pulling back because the way that the world is now, you can be so immersed in opinion, public opinion, trolling, everybody's like out there, it's crazy. You know, you just have to sort of go, I don't, I, cause I, I'm, I'm old. Like, I'm from a world where there was no social media. Like, yes. I'm from a newspapers.
0: Yeah, it's like, <laughs> with... what is it, an analog childhood in a digital adulthood is yeah. what I think we have. And yeah. And it's, like, it's like, well, that's not how it used to be.
1: No. Um,
0: as an artist, uh, when you said you have your, your, your art activities, but even as a creative professional artist, uh, why is it important to diversify? You do comedy, but you also dabble in music. And, like, uh, like you full on, like, that music video, And Anna Nicole, like, that's a legit, like, a full-on thing um, why is that important for artists to not just do this one thing but to do many things
1: i think it's just really it it, to me it's really special it's um you know i know that um a lot of comedians always want to moonlight in rock and roll you know we always love to be around that and i i love musicians and i um I work with a lot of Canadians actually, whether it's Tegan and Sarah or um, the new pornographers or A.C. Newman or you know any of these wonderful people. Like I am so um, I, I, I love Canadian music in particular and I just I just love rock and roll in general. So you know I just I love that. I love sort of to get getting to live that sort of life for a minute but also go back into comedy. It's it's fun.
0: What do you suggest for artists, independent artists, um, that they can do to monetize, to make a living, instead of waiting for the man to give them permission or someone to let them in through the gate? What do you suggest that people can do to kind of jumpstart their career?
1: There's all sorts of ways, you know. um, When I was starting out, like I um, got a bunch of short ends, which was the ends of like, when you made films, you would have like the ends of a reel and you would get like a bunch of them cheaply and you could make a reel and then uh you could use that to make a movie and that kind of stuff and then I would carry my I made a stand-up comedy movie of myself and I carried it all over the world showing it and renting out movie theaters and um kind of doing everything like I would take tickets in the you know front and then I would do a little talk about the movie and then I would show it and then I would do like a show after so it was a lot of um very uh I think shape-shifting, doing a lot of different things in order to achieve one end. Um, And I was very young and I was very energetic at that time. Um, Certainly, again, this was still also very much before social media, so this is a kind of a a very different kind of world, but um, I think it still applies where if you're trying to do a bunch of different things, and there's a lot of ways that you can use social media to build that audience whether that's through um, YouTube or through any, so- any sorts of channels that people use like out there. There's lots of ways to reach people who would want to have what you're selling.
0: The value of a mentor. I've uh, read a lot of stuff of uh, what Joan Rivers brought to you. Why is it important to have uh, a community of people like we have, uh, you're traveling with Jesse here, uh, your team. The people that uh, are close to you, that can advise you, and uh, why is it important to have? Who's important to have in the team, and what was something really important that you learned from having a mentor?
1: Well, I learned uh, a lot um, from from Joan, and but you know, it's important to kind of not sort of be so silent and so um, like uh, what I love about bands is that they're all together and they're all in this together, like that's so special and so I think that you need to create a little bit of that in comedy and I have my people that I work with and that's really special Um, but um, you know Joan was really important in showing me how valuable our gift was that our talent was really something that shouldn't be taken for granted that we could could really improve the world in our own way and that it was something that grew, um, it, in, in that we, as we got older, we got better at it. As opposed to, there was a whole, you know, thing of like actresses that so you never see them after the age of thirty or whatever. But that wasn't true for comedians, and so I think that's very true. You know, um, the problem with mentors is uh, oftentimes you um, outlive them, and so that's. You know, and that's like this weird thing of like, do, do you get another one? I, I don't know, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> maybe.
0: As we wrap things up here, kind of tying into the idea of using your voice, uh, when we're saying representation, when I started out here saying, you know, we want to see more uh, queer people of color and also uh, navigating a creative artist life. If you could leave us with uh, one call to action that people could or should do to make a difference in their art, their career, their voice, what would you say people should get up and do?
1: I think it's just being empowered to just do your thing, whatever that is, or to be empowered to go find your thing. Um, There's a lot of that. There's a lot of kind of people questioning like, well, what do I, how do I even know what's needed out there in the marketplace? Or sort of what we think of as entertainment as being a marketplace. It's like, what, what, you know, what do I have to sell? Well, it's like, it's not really like that. It's more, getting to the real matter of what you love to do and what you wanna do and then working on that. And that naturally, the, the, I think the, the motivation and the, the drive behind that, the, um, all of that really builds and so the momentum will carry you through. Thank you. Thank you.
0: What were your insights and takeaways from this interview? I would love to hear from you. Drop us a review or a comment in the comment section. And if you want to hear more from artists on how they use their voice and their creative process to do their best work, subscribe to Chaotic Creative.